Well, g'day and welcome to another episode of The Depot, sponsored by my good mates at AutoSense. Today, we're going to continue with our wellness series, uh, with today's episode focusing on fatigue in the transport industry. Uh, fatigue is often referred to as the ghost and is a concern with truck drivers spending long hours behind the wheel and often doing shift work, which interferes with their sleep cycles. So today, we're going to find out more about fatigue and what you need to do to try and manage it. I'll be talking to Rachel Lean, who is a fatigue management consultant with Fit for Duty. Hey, welcome, Rach. Thank you so much for being a part of uh, an episode of The Depot. Great to see you. Thanks, Merv. Great to see you too. Thanks for having me. Now, um, fatigue management consultant, the hell of a hell of a term. Um, tell us what that <laughs> means. Yeah, well, what does that mean? Um, okay, so a fatigue management consultant. I've actually done a, a post-grad certificate in um, fatigue risk management and shift work and helping people to manage their sleep. So, you know, I've certainly spent um, a long time learning the subject and essentially what it means um, is that I help companies and businesses to go beyond just uh, prescriptive work time rules, which currently managing fatigue has has sort of that's really you know been the main way that companies have have kind of tried to manage it by limiting and um, putting rules around work time. So yep. as a consultant, I actually help them to go beyond that and look at all of the other factors that are involved when you're. Um, you know, managing and, and putting processes in, uh, around fatigue. Yeah. And um, uh, obviously, we've, we've spent uh, a fair bit of time together over the last little while uh, at seminars with AutoSense and delivering great messages around this stuff. So, you know, I, and I've learned mm. a hell of a lot about it, but, and I know the answer to this next question, but I think it's really interesting uh, to give an insight to those that are listening or watching. Um, on how you actually got into this work, and I think it's a it's a it's a it's a great answer, and 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 one that um, I think uh, you know sets the tone and 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 creates that that a little bit more of an uh, awareness, and probably also gives a lot of people a connection to exactly the same story that you're about to offer. So tell us how you got into it. Yeah, thank thanks, Greg. Um, yeah, and look, I think it is really well worth explaining how I got into fatigue because, you know, clearly I'm not a um, commercial driver, um, but I certainly have a story that uh, hopefully many people uh, resonate with. And and really, um, it's about my background uh, as a natural health consultant and uh, and a particular time where I was um, driving. So the lower North Island was my territory and I had to drive, you know, kilometers every single day, every single week to kind of get around and see everyone. So, but I'd had absolutely zero training, um, A, in defensive driving and secondly, in, in managing, you know, my fatigue levels. In fact, I'm sure I never even used the word fatigue and yet I was mm. in the health industry. And so we didn't, it wasn't even something that was on my radar, but there was one particular time I was coming home from New Plymouth and uh, on a Friday, sort of Friday afternoon. So I was already a little bit tired um, and I thought, oh, crikey, I've still got five hours um, ahead of me to get home. So pulled into the BP and got my coffee thinking, well, you know, coffee's good, supposed to give you wings and <laughs> keep you awake and alert and all that good stuff. So I thought, well, I'll have my coffee in any minute now, it'll kind of kick in. 
but um, however, probably 20 minutes down the road, I was thinking, hmm, this coffee's not really doing what I had hoped. And so I thought, oh, well, I better just crank the stereo up and have a little sing along. And so I did that. Another half an hour down the road, I really noticed that I was um, really starting to struggle and kind of doing, you know, the knot. Have you ever done that, Greg? We kind of, well, hopefully not, <laughs> but, um, you know, we'd be probably all be kidding ourselves if we've never had that experience at least once in our life, where we really start to struggle with um, mm. remaining focused and, you know, that kind of thing. So I thought, oh, okay, what am I going to do next? So I wound the, the old window down. And um, I'm pretty sure at one stage I even stuck my head out and, and um, to get this big rush of, of cool air to try and do everything I could to stop myself from falling asleep. Um, and then actually it gets worse because I get to a straight piece of road and I say to myself, I know what I'll do. I will just shut my eyes for a couple of seconds and have a quick sleep. <laughs> How bad can it possibly go? And um, and I guess I know now what I had was a micro sleep. Um, and um, so when my brain just went, right, that's it, you're too tired, I'm going to shut down now. So I actually um, sort of veered off the left-hand side of the road. Thankfully, there was a rumble strip, which actually woke me up, um, which you know, if I'd had a guardian system in my vehicle, it would have um, it would have done the same thing by shaking the seats. But um, however, lucky there was a rumble strip and it actually woke me up. Uh, but in that moment, I thought, crikey, um, I'm in the health industry. <laughs> I should know better. I should have had a plan in place for, you know, when I'm tired and driving and, and a journey management plan and, you know, that kind of jazz. And I had nothing in place. So, uh, I decided I would start a business in fatigue management <laughs> and build on my health knowledge and um, but focus um, on sleep and fatigue, which is what I've done since 2008. So that's that's um, that's my journey, and I and I love it. I, I love talking to people about the importance fundamentally of getting good sleep, which is kind of the basis for fatigue management. Um, off track ever so slightly. I mean, it's that's a situation where when you had that micro sleep you know fate took over on what the outcome was at that moment right so mm -hmm. you know you could have easily not had a rumble strip you could have easily mm -hmm. been in a, in a in a in a piece of straight road that didn't have that and then you could have continued off to the left you could have then woken up and swerved hard to the right to recover from that and ended up you know the, the, I mean, the outcomes mm. that could have possibly happened that didn't mm. are what happens to people um, uh, every day in different situations where where the you know where the fate takes over and and the where you are and, yeah. and all the pieces of the puzzle that do conspire at that same time result in injury mm. death you know all that kind of stuff and so I mean did you I mean yeah. that would have scared you into you know acting. Oh. And, and and leading you to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. And you're you're right, Greg. I think, um, and I often say that I think we get through our day on good luck more than good management. Um, and that is why for drivers, whether it's commercially or just in your own private life, you know, you have to have your what's about you. You've got to have you know high attention and not be distracted and be as alert as you possibly can, because you know, whether the micro sleep happens to you or whether it's happening to somebody who then is hurtling yep. towards you, 
you have to have your wits about you so that you can get out of the way. Um, yeah. And look, um, I was speaking to a fuel tanker driver um, a few months ago, and she told me that she drove from one end of the Auckland Harbour Bridge to the other and cannot remember doing it. So she was experiencing what we called fatigue tunneling or zoning out, where you just kind of get that tunnel vision and you're almost on this autopilot. Now for her, she had, you know, good wheel alignment. She's going in a straight line, I guess, and nothing out of the ordinary happened. Yeah. I think that's the big take home is that, you know, we can we can operate, we turn up to work, our eyes are open, you know, we sort of mumble around and it appears that we're awake and, and all that thing. But are we as alert as we need to be? Not often. So I think we, um, yeah, we get by on good luck, not good management most of the time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, very much so. Um, so let's just uh, um, try to understand layman's terms, but scientifically, what is fatigue? And, and also the difference between fatigue and feeling a bit tired. Yeah, and that's a really um, great point to bring up as well, Greg, because um, there, although there's a relationship between feeling sleepy and feeling tired and being fatigued, they are all um, different things. And so, uh, you know, feeling tired at the end of a day, perfectly normal. This is because of the sleep pressure that wakes that, that builds up from the moment you wake up at, um, in the morning. So the sleep pressure builds up and at the end of the day, you know, you're feeling so tired that you, you know, go to bed and go to sleep. When you're feeling sleepy, it's normally because you haven't had adequate sleep in the period, in the sleep period beforehand. So you'll be feeling quite consciously aware of being sleepy as well, much like you're consciously aware when you're feeling um, hungry and you go, oh, well, I'll just have something to eat and, and that hunger goes away. So same with feeling sleepy during the day. If you could have a nap or, you know, go to bed and have a proper sleep, that sleepiness would um, would go away. But fatigue is basically a state of impairment or the word that we use to describe a state of impairment that's caused by inadequate and poor quality sleep. So much like we use the word drunk to describe a state of impairment when we've had too many um, beersies, <laughs> we, um, we use the word fatigue to describe that state of impairment caused by inadequate poor quality sleep and it's cumulative it's not just the result of one bad night's sleep it's the it's the third fourth fifth sixth you know and, and so on um, months and months of just not getting adequate sleep so fatigue is more than just feeling tired and feeling sleepy and the and the biggest impact is on our brain we're talking about cognitive alertness not just feeling physically tired it's our brain and that's where the risk is associated because it slows down our reaction times, our performance is impaired, our mood changes, um, our concentration um, is reduced and our distraction goes up, which again, you'd see, we see that on the, with the Guardian system. We often see preceding some of those fatigue events, high distraction rates. So our brain's busy just looking for stimulation to stop us from falling asleep. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, great description and, and clearly a big, uh, big difference between it. Um, as you say, that uh, description around, you know, poor, poor actual sleep and poor quality of sleep. Mm. The, the, I think the key word there that um, gets me out of all that too is the cumulative of that mm. and how dangerous mm. that is, is when you just have, 
you know, you think you're, oh, you're fatigued, I've had a poor sleep. And then you have another one on top of it, another one on top of it, another one. It, it, you know, it, it doesn't count, it doesn't cancel out the previous one. It just adds on to it all the way through. Yeah, oh, it, it absolutely does. And also the timing of sleep is really important. So, you know, the work time rule, to, you know, you have your mandatory 10 hours between shifts. But what, what that rule doesn't take into consideration is the timing of that sleep. So from a circadian um, rhythm perspective. Uh, and so, you know, that cumulative sleep loss is often a result of just the timing of the sleep and the quality of it. So if you're getting part of your sleep during waking out you know normal waking hours if you're a night shift worker for example um yeah then your sleep quality be, will be poor and yeah you do that day after day after day that's where that cumulative um effect comes in mm. um so it, uh, let's talk about the impacts of fatigue um while getting behind the wheel and driving yeah, so remember I was just saying how um, being fatigued and being drunk um, are, you know, pretty similar. So we have, um, a, uh, there's been a lot of research that says the uh, fatigue impairment is very similar to being impaired by alcohol. We know that if you've been awake 17 hours, for example, you have the same impairment level as if you were legally drunk. So um, I bring that up because it's quite good to think, well, when was the last time that you may have had one or two more drinks than you should have um, and then these symptoms and signs will um, make more sense so you're more likely to um, trip over things and bang into things or you know slips and trips and falls so even getting in and out of the vehicle you might roll your ankle when you're getting out of your truck so those sorts of injuries are, are more likely um, one of the first things that people will notice in others before you notice it in yourself is probably your mood so your mood, you know, have you ever been a bit grumpy, Murph? No. <laughs> uh, no, no. Um, and maybe you just needed a cup of tea and lie down. <laughs> so, well, um, I, think, I think there's examples of when I was grumpy that had nothing to do with fatigue as well. No. <laughs> No, exactly. But um, yeah, so so but definitely our, our mood and our mental health. So there's a relationship again between poor sleep and um and, and our mental health. Um and some of those um conditions like Alzheimer's and dementia and things like that are are a quite the chronic um, you know, result of inadequate sleep over time for sure. But um in attention to detail, communication skills, your ability to you know, get key messages across changes. Our memory definitely yeah. um, starts to fail us if we're not getting enough good sleep. So our reaction time, that's really critical. That's really key, um, especially when you're driving. So, uh, yeah, so those, those are some of the main um, things that signs and symptoms that you'd look out for. So um, just in your experience too, I mean, I mean, this is not something that's new. Fatigue's not a, a, a new thing. Um, but we've we have meandered along aimlessly, um, obviously for a long periods of time without some, um, without this being a real key sort of uh, focal point around being able to to do. Let's do, you know, when we're just talking the transport industry. I mean, we've we've really overlooked and been mm -hmm. very poor and and recognising this for a long period of time, haven't we? Mm -hmm. Mm, yeah, definitely. And I and as I said before, I think people have largely relied on the uh, work time rule as a as a way yeah. to manage fatigue. And and of course, you know, it is law and you have to adhere to that. Uh, no doubt about it. And working hours 
contributes to fatigue um, that's for sure however it's not the it's not the only factor and you know and I'm often talking about the non-work activities that actually result in work time fatigue so when you are managing fatigue you have to consider all of those non-work factors as well as as those work factors so it's what are what are people doing when they're not at work you know, do they have a new baby? Um, uh, do they have a sleep disorder that they're not managing or they don't even know about? Um, are they working a second job? Is there, is they, are they going through a marriage breakup? You know, what is going on outside of work that's, that they're going yep. to bring to work? Because it absolutely, all of those things impact our sleep, uh, which then, you know, we, we bring that fatigue to work every day. And, and in that respect, you know, too, you know, we... Um, we wouldn't be good at wanting to actually acknowledge those things and bring those to work to or, or ring someone to say, I mean, we, you know, I think we've, mm -hmm. we've, we've got to start changing and changing, don't we, in that respect to become, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, more willing to accept that these are just things that happen to lots of people or the majority of people um, for different reasons yeah. Yeah. Uh, on, on every given day. Um, and it's not just an individual thing that's just happening to you or happening to someone else. It, it, it's happening to a lot mm -hmm. of people, but we don't talk about mm -hmm. it or, you know, um, give that information. So, you know, it, it's kept inside a lot of the times. We've got to actually learn to actually be aware of those stuff ourselves individually. But, but then there's pressures from work, right? There's pressures from the employer to get the job done too. Mm. So it's a, it's a, it's a busy world that we feel a lot of pressure to consistently, you know, perform. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is a juggling act and, and it is about meeting um, operational demands as well. Of course, you've got a business to run. So you do have bottom lines to, you know, think about um, as well as, you know, individuals managing themselves and then being managed. Um, mm. Yeah, it, it is a complicated one. But I think, you know, this is why, uh, you know, managing fatigue is really a shared responsibility that, you know, if yep. everyone does their bit and, and shows up and um, and plays their part, you know, as a combined effort, it absolutely can be done. And I've seen it. Um, so it's when people don't want to talk about it or they think, God, fatigue. So I don't even know where to start or I'm not the mother. I don't, I can't tuck them in at nighttime and, and make sure that they're getting a good night's sleep. And, and that's the attitude of, of some people that I've you know met in the past as well. But I feel like there's a bit of a change and there is now more acceptance and certainly all the conversations around mental health and, and uh, things like that. Yeah. You know, it's becoming more accepted, isn't it? To, for people to be able to, talk about it and, and not feel that it's a sign of weakness in fact you know I think it's the opposite if you can if you can actually tell people how you're feeling and then be willing to do something about it I'd say that makes you an incredibly strong person yeah, yeah. absolutely um mm. so top tips uh what can you tell us um what's your your, your, your top uh, thoughts there on managing fatigue well I believe that sleep is the most important thing we can do in a day so my my top tip is make sure you're getting enough good quality sleep every single night prioritize it make it the number one thing that you do in a day is making sure that you get enough good quality um, sleep otherwise it just makes it really hard to function and, and do all the other stuff that you want to do playing your sports 
engaging with your friends and your family you know if you're a bit under par and a bit tired and can't be bothered well then you know you don't have any enjoyment from those other things either um so getting your bedroom environment set up for for uh, successful sleep is super important as well dark quiet free of distractions that's um that's really important um I'd also say don't rely on coffee or caffeinated beverages or sugar to be the thing that gets you through the day. And I meet a lot of people who, um, you know, they believe that the sugary drinks and the sugary foods and lollies and things like that um, will keep them awake. And um, yeah, it, it actually does the opposite. Um, sugar has the opposite effect in the body. You think it's going to give you all this energy, but it actually switches on a on a hormone that um, makes you sleepy so it does the exact opposite uh, so yeah man you know be mindful and manage that sugar intake as well and really just keep it to a minimum and and don't use it as the thing that you know to keep you awake as with coffee use coffee strategically early in your shift but not um, as the only thing to do throughout um, your shift um on that, I would say if you are feeling sleepy, then napping. That's probably another top tip. If you're feeling sleepy when you drive, pull over, grab a 25-minute power nap. Um, the key is timing it, so don't nap any longer than that. And jump in the passenger seat as well. Um, yeah, it's just a good behavior to get into um, is take your nap in the passenger seat if you can. So so you're not, con you know, you're not embedding a, a, your brain to go, I can sleep while I'm behind the wheel basically so ah that is a good one yeah i had not thought of yeah, that you wouldn't consciously say hey you know i'm going to fall asleep behind the steering wheel but um subconsciously it's amazing you know what you can what your brain picks up on yeah uh, absolutely subconscious side of things i mean i i mean i know the power sleep thing is a it works anyone that does do it or has done it uh, advocate for it or you know has tried it it, it is it is a hundred percent um you know uh, a positive way to to you know get yourself re-energized again i mean 20 20 minutes 15 20 yeah. minutes it, it, it the the power that has over how you then respond and move forward is 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 proven i mean it's it's scientifically it, it works doesn't it Mm -hmm. It absolutely does. I mean, NASA use have done a lot of research around napping because obviously astronauts don't have the luxury of sleeping for eight hours in a row. So they um, have sort of figured out this golden nap um, and they, they talk about 26 minutes giving you three hours um, of alertness post-nap. So, um, you know, if it's good enough for Neil Armstrong, <laughs> you know, it's good enough for, for us um, mere mortals on Earth here. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, a lot of people will say they will listen to this or they've been given this information before about, you know, uh, creating a good sleep environment, making sure they're working on getting quality sleep, doing all the right things. Obviously, uh, diet is another one, right? Um, a, a good a good diet uh, is, is really important to obviously uh, have the body in balance and all that kind of thing as well. But but so if people go down that path, they're doing all that stuff, but they're still not sleeping well. It's it, there's there's clearly something else potentially there that they do not know exists. And one of those things that a lot of people don't know exists and is a problem that's causing them, you know, the fatigue issues and and feeling tired is sleep apnea, um, something that is diagnosed a lot within a lot of people, mm -hmm. but also in the transport industry, a lot of uh, drivers. Are being found and have been diagnosed with having 
this uh, this situation. What do we call it? Is it a sleep apnea? Is, is it's a sleep disorder. Yeah. 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 Disorder. Dis- That's the word. Yeah. Yeah. So tell yeah. us about that. Yeah. Yeah, look, something I'm really passionate about and I've sort of discovered since I started my business where we would, you know, talk to people about sleep and, um, and you know, people snoring and they stop breathing and they feel tired the next day. And uh, we had, in the early days, I had this overwhelming number of people come up and say, you know, that thing you're talking about where you snore and you stop breathing. And I just thought it was normal. I just thought it was because I was a bloke and I'm maybe carrying a bit much weight. Um, thought it was because I'm a shift worker and I'm getting older or something, you know. And so everybody kind of puts um, puts uh, that, those reasons behind, you know, why they yep. might not be getting good night's sleep. Uh, but in actual fact, sleep apnea, as you rightly say, is very common and, and, and prevalent in the commercial driving space. And there is some research that came out of Australia not that long ago that suggested up to 41% of commercial drivers have OSA or obstructive sleep apnea. 41%. 1%, which is a lot. And, um, and what, yes, really staggering. And what we know in New Zealand, when the hundreds of drivers we've tested over the years, um, not quite as bad as 41%, but we're not far off, you know, 30, depending on the sector, it could be 35. So, um, you know, if you think about that, it's a it's a lot of a lot of people, and you know, and largely this is because um, we're in a male dominated um, industry, so males are twice as likely to develop OSA as a female is. Um, weight has uh, a bearing on it as well. So the more weight that we have around our neck and our you know our belly and things like that, um, it just pushes puts pressure on your upper respiratory system um, when you're sleeping. Uh, and um, yeah, age as we get older, our muscle tone changes, so it gets it's not as toned as it is when we we're younger. So that by just by the nature of aging, that changes as well. So sleep apnea is a condition where people stop breathing hundreds of times a night, or some people do. Most of us will stop breathing once or twice a night without any kind of health consequence. It's just when it's over a certain number, and we've sort of got thresholds we use in a clinical setting. Um, that we start to go actually that number of apneas per night and the and well and the the relationship between the oxygen desaturation that happens every time you 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 know stop breathing your oxygen levels drop and your heart has to work exponentially harder to keep you alive basically so left untreated sleep apnea has can have dire consequences on people's health from a cardiac perspective so more likely to have heart attacks and strokes um, we know then when people are tired <clears throat> because of diet, um, because of OSA, they're more likely to, to um, take on more calories when you gain more weight um, and you make poorer food choices. So then we start to see uh, the relationship between type 2 diabetes and people with obstructive sleep apnea. So um, high, high blood pressure. So they really, it's not just about, oh, well, I snore. Oh, well, that I don't care. I, I'm asleep kind of thing um it is actually about longevity and we know for a fact we've had physicians come back to us saying thank goodness that you found this person when you did because had you not and had they not got treated they would have had a shorter life for sure 
So, um, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to pieces that, you know, we're in a position at Fit for Duty to help people. And, of course, we work alongside um, AutoSense and we use the Guardian Seeing Machine as a way to identify those individuals that are having repeated microsleeps. And then we do sleep studies and probably 90% of those individuals that are having repeated microsleeps um, test positive for obstructive sleep apnea. And then we can treat them. So, and then they say, wow, I've got my life back. You've changed yep. my life. I've had wives ringing me saying, wow, I've got my husband back. You know, like it's incredible the difference that it makes in people's lives um, just being diagnosed and being treated. And again, it's just awareness. It's about knowledge. It's around understanding, having, you know, that there is, that that this thing exists. It's actually spreading the word mm. about, you know, what this actually is and that it's not normal um, and putting a, a mm. term to it and a name to it and, and stuff is just so critically important as well because there must be, there would still be thousands, tens of thousands mm. of people with OSA uh, that don't know that they have got it, that, you know, are living uh, below, you know, a, a good level of, living or life because of OSA yeah. oh absolutely a absolutely it is really um you know life destroying for those people that don't can't understand you know they might be in bed for eight or nine hours and then they wake yep. up going oh my god why am I still so tired this is this is really unfair they're more likely to nod off and you know when they're sitting at the traffic lights for a couple of minutes or you know you come home from work and you sit down on the couch and you want to watch the news and then next minute you're fast asleep <laughs> um that's no fun that's absolutely no fun so but you know if we had if we just relied on our medical system to um, identify people we would be in big trouble because unfortunately sleep is not always something that can be um, discussed or remedied in the 10-minute consult that you might get with a, with a GP there is no blood test that you can do that says you've got sleep apnea the only way to diagnose it is by having a sleep test so um, yeah and doctors don't do that they might refer you to a public hospital to a sleep service um, but the waiting times um, especially now in the world of COVID because all of the sleep yeah. physicians also the respiratory physicians and they're under the pump with um, COVID so um, we, we're in New Zealand we are just poorly resourced and poorly funded uh, so you know in from a health and safety perspective that's why working with companies to actually be proactive and screen their drivers, make it part of an annual medical, make it part of your fatigue intervention plan post-Guardian event. There's so many ways that you can weave the testing in and it's really easy. It's a home sleep test. You know, it's just the easiest thing. Why wouldn't you do it? Yeah, absolutely. Righto. So um, uh, advice to transport operators um, on how to manage fatigue within their teams. Well, I would say, you know, go beyond prescriptive work time rules. Make sure that you are doing more than just the, you know, the work time logbook rule. Um, think about all of those other things we've discussed today. Uh, have a robust health monitoring system in place so that you are checking the health, um, not just from a sleep disorder perspective, but, you know, general health and well-being. You, re you really want fit, healthy drivers um, behind the steering wheel so that would be something um, 
you know, I would I'd definitely um, promote. Um, use the data that you're getting from either your telematic provider, from um, in-cab cameras, you know, your guardian seeing machine, anything that's giving you feedback on driver performance and driver behavior is gold. So you're already spending money collecting this data. So yep. use it really wisely and use it to yep. help you to identify those individuals that might be struggling. Um, the businesses we, you know, have had the most success with are the ones that get that and they use their data and they follow up and yeah. they've invested in the upskilling of their supervisors because often you can have all this great technology and then unless you've got supervisors or depot managers who know how to do something with that information and can communicate well <laughs> to the to the team uh, about hey you know I've seen I've seen a potential issue here let's do something about it you know and and you know be really supportive um, uh, and so that comes down to the supervisors and, and upskilling them um, as well. Yeah, follow yeah. up. Uh, so all those things. And it's engaging. It's engaging on that on that personal level with with each and every one of you know the the, the drivers and everybody that that works in the mm. in the business, no matter mm. what. But but those that are out there, it's you know it is having that that, uh, that those personal relationships and, and those understandings and and and, and encouraging. Um, you know that relationship, that open relationship about you know that that health well-being side of it being such an important thing, and and try to obviously get um, employees, drivers to to feel that it's okay to um, to let someone know when there's when there's something that might be you know part of the problem, as you say, away from work. It's not it's it's the things that are away mm -hmm. from work at home, uh, just normal everyday life stuff mm -hmm. that that um, is a contributing factor. Mm, yeah, absolutely. You've got it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, listen, it, it's it is a really interesting side to it. Another piece of science, uh, but which has actually, you know, opened my eyes, um, as I said earlier, to to understand a little bit more about it and, and putting making sense to some things, right? That um might not have been um so obvious in the past. Absolutely brilliant. Um, Rach, great to see you. Thanks for uh spending some time and um and thoughts there on the depot and i look forward to seeing you soon yeah awesome thanks greg see you later well there you have it uh, some really interesting insights into fatigue and uh the, the sleep patterns and sleep and how important it is um you know there's a lot of stuff there that i i was very unaware of before i started actually uh working with and spending time with Rachel, but um, it just emphasizes the need for good management when it comes to rest and sleep and, and how dangerous and how easy it is to uh, not realize that you are fatigued. So um, hopefully everyone has got some uh, really good insight and some learnings and, and we'll have a good think about um, how fatigue is potentially impacting you as a driver and also um, as, a, as an operator, how important it is to keep an eye on it. Uh, so thanks uh, to Autosense, as usual, uh, for sponsoring the depot. If you're, you're looking for help with your driver training or fatigue and distraction solutions, then pop over to autosense.co.nz and uh, check out what we have on offer. Uh, if you like what you've heard today, uh, go ahead, please subscribe to the podcast so you'll get alerts each time a new episode is up. Um, and if you have something you'd like us to talk about uh, or you'd like to come 
onto the depot and have a chat with me, then get in touch. Just email the depot at autosense.co.nz. So that's it for today. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode and we will catch you next time.